0: going to come to God's word now. We're going to pick up um, a series that we began at the start of this year, our ultimate series, um, which uh, is based really on Romans 11, verse 36, the foundational verse for this series, which says, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And we thought about the glory of God as the very foundation of our lives and the very purpose of our lives is to bring him, glory, and we looked at um, what that means in terms of the the gospel and the Bible and the way we approach God's word, and we also thought about worship and ultimate worship to the glory of God. Um, This morning, we're looking at ultimate marriage, ultimate marriage, marriage to the glory of God. Our culture is not a good guide for us in regards to marriage and sexuality and the family. We live in a fallen world which has distorted God's good design for our lives at every level. Our world is filled with destructive sex industries, pornography, prostitution, sex trafficking. These are increasing all the time. Children are abused. Women are enslaved because sex sells. Abortion rates are rising all the time, divorce gets quicker and easier, same-sex relationships and gay marriage are ever more common, gender identity issues seem to be escalating and the amount of single-parent families and broken homes is alarming. And we're told that our freedom to be who we want and to do what we want is the way to fulfilment and happiness. That's the message that we're hearing all the time. And yet it seems quite apparent that as a nation, we're becoming more depressed, anxious, and miserable than ever. Not more happy and fulfilled. The world is broken and confused. And as the church, as Christians, we need to tell a better story. We need to demonstrate a better way. And unfortunately, what seems to be happening is that we're being squeezed into the world's mold and are in danger of losing the very God-given distinctions that, that were intended for our good and for the world's good. When we exchange the truth of God and the truth from God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the Creator, we are on a road not to greater fulfillment but to greater ruin and destruction. Marriage is not ultimate. God is. I know I'm talking about ultimate marriage, but marriage is not ultimate, right? God is. And marriage was instituted by God, by God, as a picture, as a, as a window into something more, something greater. Randy Alcorn says, the one flesh marital union that we know on earth is a signpost pointing to our relationship with Christ as our bridegroom. Once we reach the destination, the signpost becomes unnecessary. That's why Jesus said at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage because earthly marriage is not ultimate. God is. And at the resurrection, we get God fully and completely. There's nothing left for marriage to point to because we would have entered into the fullness of what marriage was always a shadow Of, which is unhindered relationship with God through Christ. So let's not make marriage and sex and relationships into the the God that will fulfill us. But let's recognize that actually these things are gifts. They're gifts from God that are supposed to help us see and understand more of God, not replace God. They're supposed to enable us, a window into more of who He is. And before I share a few thoughts on ultimate marriage, let me just give a couple of important encouragements to hopefully help you stay fully engaged with this message. Two things, all right, to keep you engaged. Number one, we're all broken. And so we need to lean on God's grace. We're all broken. You need to know that. Because you may be sat there thinking, ah, my life. Look course, happened. The mess, the brokenness. We've already heard today, we're all broken. We've been singing about what Jesus does for the broken. We're all broken. And I'm well aware, I'm trying to hold up God's best for marriage this morning in the context of much brokenness in marriage. All around us, there are examples of failure and abuse and pain in marriage. And you, no doubt, will have your own story of brokenness. But God's grace is bigger and all our failures, and brokenness, and baggage, and pain. And in Jesus, we can find the forgiveness that we need. In Jesus, we can find the healing that we need. In Jesus, we can find the hope that we need, the strength that we need, the help that we need. Whether we've been the one who has sinned in marriage, or we're the one who's been sinned against in marriage or relationships, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the hope that we need. And actually, Jesus is is the goal. Jesus is the goal because even the best marriages are supposed to leave us longing for the greater reality and fulfillment that will be experienced in our eternal home and relationship with Jesus. Marriage is not ultimate. God is. So let's lean always on God's grace in the context of our lives, marriages, and relationships. So we're all broken. And number two, I'd say this as well, we're all impacted by marriage. And so we need to hear God's heart for marriage. We're all impacted by a marriage, and we need to hear God's heart for marriage. And you may be sat there thinking, oh, this message has no relevance for me. You're thinking, I might as well not listen or go on my phone or do whatever. Maybe you think it has no relevance because you're not married. Maybe you think it's no relevant, no relevance because you've no intention of ever being married. Or maybe you're beyond the season of marriage for whatever reason that may be. But I want to say this message is relevant and it does matter for all of us for at least three reasons. Number one, you may get married in the future. And so whatever you can learn now about God's heart for marriage will help you when you take that step for yourself. So lean in. Number two, we will all know people who are married. Parents, siblings, friends, colleagues. And so it's good to be able to support, pray for, and encourage others in their marriages in accordance with God's heart and God's purpose. And number three, in a relationally and sexually broken world, it is good for us, in fact, it's imperative for us to think about why God's design and heart for marriage is best and how and why we should encourage the world to live that out. Because if you don't know what's good and right, how will you know if what the world is serving up is going to be helpful or harmful? Because the world tells you, live for yourself. Follow your heart. That's what the world tells you. But God tells you, live for His glory. Follow His ways. And those two ambitions will lead to very different outcomes in the context of our lives and relationships. So we need to hear God's heart if we want to live in God's best. Now, obviously, it's a massive topic, um, and I'm only going to share just a couple of thoughts from one of the key passages on Christian marriage in the Bible um, for us this morning. So um, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5. I'll read this section from verse 21 through to verse 33. Ephesians 5, verse 21 through to 33. I'm reading it in the NIV um, version. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives... However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Clearly, as we read this passage, we get the impression that marriage is not me-centered. It's not me-centered, it's God-centered and other-centered. And so, we need to... Uh, get our eyes up and off of ourselves for just a moment and see how God has designed and desires us to live out our marriages for His glory in and with the grace that He.